Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Gotta do the content warning up front on this one and got a real banger for you. It's a movie about addiction and 12-step programs, uh, but the message of the movie is that 12-step programs are kind of gay. There's a lot of references to suicide. Uh, there's a weird swerve into an incest, like, B storyline about 60 minutes into the movie. Um, and uh, the man who made it went on to become a United States Senator, so... A real interesting selection and episode. I hope you enjoy it. We enjoyed making it. Thanks again for listening. I'm going to do a terrific show today because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Hello, I'm Stuart Smalley. Ever since I was a kid, go, go, go! I knew there was something wrong with my family. <laughs> My father grew up in the Great Depression, his mother's, so he wasn't very supportive. Is Sir Edelog getting a little nervous? <laughs> I wanted, you remember when, I think, I don't remember which movie it was, where as soon as we started recording, I was just like, I'm sorry. That, I think it was The Mask. Yeah, The Mask was where you apologized to me, and then <laughs> um, bringing down the house was where I had to apologize <laughs> to you. Exactly. But I think at this point, we need to be apologized to yeah. for watching this movie. We demand an apology from the ghost of Harold Ramis. <laughs> oh, I, I miss that man. But what has he done? What? I just, I can't believe, I can't believe his name is on this fucking thing. Like, I know, it's I really can't. sad. He's so respected and He's revered. He's made so many good movies. And it's not like he he did this and shat the bed and then, like, worked his way up to better movies. It's like, no, right. he he already did the good movies. <laughs> and well, I'm going to blame it on Lauren. I'm going to blame it on Lauren. Maybe, probably may, Lauren. Or, or maybe it was the similar thing of like writing one draft of Black Sheep and then shooting it. Maybe well, this was the same thing. Well, it's like, so my, I mean, we'll talk about how the movie got made in a second, but like my understanding <laughs> is that Ramis was like the one who like really pushed Al Franken to be like, no, no, I think this is something we should make. Um, and then it you know, it, obviously, it's a terrible movie, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it also did extremely poorly uh, for, I think, very obvious reasons. Of course. Um, and Al Franken, you know, uh, by his account, you know, sank into a deep depression um, after this movie flopped. And it's only one of two times in his career uh, he said <laughs> that he sank into a deep depression. And you'll never guess what the second one was. <laughs> of you and me staring back at us while frozen on the screen crank the white noise and pretend that we're asleep we're asleep dream 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 what's up everybody welcome to probably should have known better a podcast where we I'm hesitating to use the word celebrate for this particular episode, but we celebrate comedy that is aged very poorly. My name is Nadia Vasquez, and I'm joined, as always, by one of the funniest, most Catholic people I know, 
Tony Ginocchio. Thank you. And, you know, thank you for saying that. And also thank you for all the love we were giving each other on Twitter uh, this week as we celebrated it was cute. our 50th it was episode. It was very heartwarming. So, so cute. Uh, that said, this is, uh, I would say, top three worst films uh, we've ever watched. Oh, totally. Totally. I am, I'm taking back the love because... <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. This no. is the podcast that made me quit. I mean, and, this is the the movie that made me quit. And folks, this episode ten of the season, and it's usually around ten or eleven that you start to hear us um, really kind of crumbling. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's, that that was around the time we did Garden State in season one. <laughs> it's around the time we did. Uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry in season two. Uh, I can't remember what it was in season three, uh, but it was probably something else terrible. Um, <laughs> but this time, you know, this season we've been doing every SNL movie. And when we looked at the list at the beginning of the season, we said, this looks like a great season, except we have to watch It's Pat and we have to watch <laughs> Stuart Saves His Family from 1995. Directed by Harold Ramis, who made Groundhog Day two years before this movie, so I know he knows what a good comedy screenplay looks like. <laughs> uh, starring and based on a character created by Al Franken. Uh, also starring Italian ex-American treasure uh, <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio and yeah. uh, Italian ex-American treasure Laura San Giacomo. Uh, that so was great. I feel <laughs> um, I feel like we ventured into another genre of podcast, so let's reel it in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's uh, I don't even know where to begin with this, but this was basically um, how Al Franken, uh, who had been uh, on the staff of SNL for basically almost two decades, um decided he was going to springboard into film and it didn't work and then he springboarded into some other <laughs> stuff and it also didn't work and we'll we'll get into we'll, that we'll in our to, favorite segment <laughs> we'll get to that later but um the here here's how here's how i want to frame this up nadia okay, um, okay okay you ever read sarah silverman's book the bedwetter i haven't no okay so she talks about you know, because Sarah Silverman uh, was uh, a writer and a performer on SNL for exactly one year before she got fired. And yes. she talks about the two major archetypes of people who get hired by SNL. She was kind of outside of those archetypes because she came up through stand-up. But, you know, one is an improviser, you know, came up through Second City for the first right. couple decades of the show. And then later, like, Groundlings and UCB. But these are your Will Ferrell's. Your Maya Rudolphs, your Kristen Weegs, um, uh, your your John Belushi's, even your Chris Farley's, like it, people who are goofy. They're funny. They're good with characters. They don't get stuck in their head, but they need structure and yes. constraints, right, to make something work. And then totally. the, the second archetype is a guy who wrote, and it's almost always a guy, a guy mm -hmm. who wrote for the Harvard Lampoon. A hundred percent. And I would I would argue that Conan is Conan. the one yeah. is that that falls into both. Yes, yeah. Conan, Conan was and was Odin a lampoon Kirk. writer. I think he was the editor. Actually, Colin Jost was too. Yeah, um, but he's only in one of those categories. And yeah, there's, there's there's um you know, and these are the guys who are great with structure, 
but usually get too in their own head to actually be funny on their own. Right. Um, And both types need each other. So Franken is closer to the second type. Yes. uh, But as this movie revealed, he's also not very good at that. (laughs) It's really sad because just to start the character itself is like, what is this? Right! What are they trying to say? Who is this person? The premise of this movie is, isn't addiction and recovery kind of gay? <laughs> is that what they're trying? I mean, yes, it's what they're saying. It's it's what ended up being said. It's unclear. So... Uh, it was all implied. Everything was implied, which is yes. not good for comedy no no and 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 so you know nadia is pointing to something really important which is not only is this movie not funny and not only uh, does this movie treat very sensitive topics with with no finesse at all <laughs> but it also doesn't make sense like yeah it's it, it doesn't there's like 20 dropped plot lines structurally nothing works here there's stuff we touch and never come back to there's stuff that comes out of nowhere there is one coffin flop so they get a point (laughs) we love a coffin we love a coffin flop man i don't know what to tell you we're just filming all the funerals (laughs) but um so the character of Stuart smalley uh was created by al franken um after he uh his wife struggled with alcoholism and so started going to 12-step meetings. Mm-hmm. And Franken, as a supportive partner would, uh, went with her to the meetings to support her. And then, okay. as a supportive partner wouldn't, uh, started <laughs> developing a sketch comedy character based on the concept that all the stuff people were saying was gay. <laughs> Both, yeah. Both in the sense of stupid and also in the sense of literally gay. Right. Well, we don't like gay as stupid. No. In the, On this pod that I'm anti that because Lizzie McGuire told me that once in a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I learned it. Sorry, just as a side note, the other the other video we were sending each other this week was the post 9-11 Disney Channel <laughs> PSA. <laughs> We it's we really are the United States. It's Shia we LaBeouf. Are, we are a, like a ten-year-old Shia LaBeouf going. We are united. <laughs> Incredible moment. But but uh, Hillary Duff uh, was in there too. Hil- yeah, she was. Queen. Yeah, no, but she, queen of but the she, PSA. Queen of the PSA. You know, you know that one where those girls are like, mm, I don't like that stuff. It's really gay. And then she's like, You shouldn't say that. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> and I was. And that actually was very. Um, profound for a lot of teenagers at the time because it honestly back in the day that was a very common that was what you fucking said that was what you said and you know a lot of people learn the hard way which is finding out that you know you hurt someone's feelings Uh, but you know props to gen z because we don't have that problem with those children love that we have different problems but different (laughs) problems but not that one but not that one but you know al franken's (laughs) generation as we know is full of ridiculous awful uh stereotypes and all of that stuff and he was like let's put them all in one movie and it's like so so in this movie which is 97 minutes long and feels like <laughs> 200 it does. uh stewart uh 
is a as he was on SNL, he's the host of a public access uh, show, Daily Affirmations, with Stuart Smalley, uh, which broadcasts from Chicago, the greatest city in the world. He uh, <laughs> is he goes back to his hometown in Minnesota, which is of course also where Al Franken is from, and the mm-hmm. state he would eventually represent. I can't mm. believe I'm saying this in the United <laughs> States Senate. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh he he uh goes back there because his aunt died and then just a bunch of stuff happens that doesn't make sense yeah and there's no point to it there's no point to it there is a coffin flop again a plus work on that but uh, we love a coffin flop essentially his show gets canceled he sinks into a depression there's some sort of storyline about how they need to get an easement onto the neighbor's lot in order to sell the aunt's house and divvy up their shares of the inheritance um yeah. but mostly it's him with a bleached blonde kind of wig talking with a lisp Mm-hmm. Um, and like he, he, I guess the joke of the sketches was he hosts this daily affirmation show, but he has this awful pent up, uh, rage inside of him, which doesn't really come out very much except one point where he calls uh, his boss a vagina. Yeah. And, and then he, uh, he, he fucking like, there's a lot of flashbacks that last like. 10 minutes it's like uh, a movie within a movie yeah like the sir clean a lot thing jesus listen you know what you know what i'm realizing as you're describing this movie you know when somebody is a new screenwriter and they just basically retell their life story yeah as a screenplay this is exactly what happened but someone was like you know what we should make this because usually you just give notes and are being nice, mm-hmm. and then it, it never sees the light of day, and everybody, you know, is happy about that. Yeah. But this is unfortunately something that was made. Yeah. So I just want to point out as a side note to our listeners, I uh, wrote a novel based on my life back in 2017 called Kings of Candyland, which Nadia uh, read an early draft of and gave me notes and was very nice, but then like 10 people read it. Uh, and that's what should have happened with this movie. <laughs> Kings of Candyland was really funny, and I actually shared it with somebody, and they liked it, so you better shut your mouth. Okay, well, you're very kind. Uh, but, Go out there and get it, guys. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it's, I don't, I don't even know. And it's like, I'm literally sitting here thinking, is this worse than It's Pat? And it Ooh. might be. Um, It's 20 minutes longer. <laughs> it is 20. Oh, I, and I felt it. I felt it. I... I don't know if it's, I can count it as a comedy, and I think that's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Like, It's Pat is supposed to be a comedy, so it has the zaniness and the kind of balls-to-the-wall energy, but this movie doesn't have that. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even call it a dramedy. I just think it's a drama that went awry. Yeah, it's... It's because it's, it's, there are some moments where I was like, oh, that's, that's funny, that's clever. But then there were some moments where I was like, what the fuck? This is fucked up yeah. kind of thing. And it just, in, there's never a uh, a real game that gets no, set up. No, there's not. It just keeps bouncing from story. And it's like, okay, is he like, is this about his friendship with Laura Sanchez-Como? Or is it like, <laughs> and it's not. Is it about his relationship with his brother? Maybe. Is it about his relationship with his dad? No, because they just try to have an intervention for him and it just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. It, there's no there is like 
no choice that anyone commits to except for making fun of the subject of mental health. And yeah, that's and, not even funny. Yeah, and so the the character of Stuart Smalley is a member of like every twelve step program, even though I which I, is the joke, I guess. Which is a joke because like I don't think he like he's an AA, but I don't think he's ever actually had a drink. I think is supposed to be the joke, but his family is all alcoholics, right? Um, so he, as I said that the most Midwestern way possible. But it's like, fine. It's fine. The, I liked it. The um, but yeah, so he like just spouts all these aphorisms from. 12-step programs, like, right. you know, one step forward, two steps back, don't do that, that's stinking thinking, like, stuff like, like, it kind of all these, like, sayings that come out of there. Right. And, and the joke is, like, isn't it stupid that people, that people say this after their life has hit bottom and they're trying to, like, repair yeah. <laughs> all of their also, relationships? what does his wife have to say? Does she think that's hilarious that he's making fun of that, her like, community? what the fuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> I would be really like, um, hello? This is fucking rude. <laughs> and like, look, I don't, I'm, uh, before I say this next thing, I'm going to say I'm sorry to you, okay. Nadia, and to the <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry. I would like to spend one minute and talk about Infinite Jest. Um, oh my God. <laughs> because one Just, of. This is the whitest portion of I'm a podcast sorry. we've ever had. Go on, go on. But fine, but fine. a major plot line in Infinite Justice, it follows a group of recovering addicts going to 12-step meetings in Boston. And um, there's, a, there's a point where one of the newer members of uh, Narcotics Anonymous goes to the protagonist, Don Gately, who's his sponsor, and he says, I think all the stuff they say in these meetings is really fucking stupid and hokey, and I don't like it. Uh, and I don't think I can take recovery seriously if people are going to talk like this. Mm, the kind okay. of thing that Al Franken perhaps yeah. said right before <clears throat> writing the screenplay. Right. And, and what the, the protagonist says back to this character is like, yeah, I, I think it's stupid too. Here's the thing. Take a box of cake mix. You want to follow the instructions on the box. Because even if you think the instructions sound stupid... If you follow all of them, at the end, you're going to have a fucking cake. <laughs> uh, and and so uh, I just, you know, I just think to create an entire character that was then on a nationally broadcast sketch show out yeah. of this experience with your wife, uh, either That's his wife up. has an amazing sense of humor, which based on what we now know is a possibility, but also... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But also, it's fucked up. It's fucked up, dude. And it's not even funny. No. It would be one thing if it was legitimately like, oh, that's really funny. He took a stereotype of something that is like somewhat tragic, but made it loving. Right. And funny. This wouldn't is that mean. Wouldn't that have been a meaningful and like, it could have even helped people. Right. Right. You know, like somebody could have been like, oh, you know, I saw this movie that was really stupid, but it was really like heartwarming. And it made me think like, oh, you know, maybe this is a good idea for me to like check out this support group. But this is like the opposite of what we got. Yeah. So uh, just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what his I'm speechless and this is a podcast. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This guy Al Franken's been on, had been on SNL for like 
since it started, basically, or shortly after it started yeah. as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, you know, he eventually, I don't think he was ever, like, actually a rep uh, member of the cast, but he, like, he did segments on Weekend Update. Like, he was a, he was a presence on the show. Yeah. Uh, in many ways. So, like, <clears throat> this guy's been around comedy writers. He's been around comedic talent. But, and... I mean, but you're saying something that is totally different than somebody who's written a movie. Yes. You know, there are sketch writers who shouldn't be writing movies, and yet they do. That's but true. we That's generally true. don't see those people's movies being made. Uh, you know, but, you know, you have Kristen Wiig, who wrote an incredible screenplay that, you know, got nominated for an Oscar, mm-hmm. and was The Amazing Bridesmaids, and, you know, they had a great director and everything. This, the formula shouldn't have worked because they already tried it here. They had a great director with Harold Ramis. Yeah. They had a, 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 a screenplay written by someone who writes sketch. And, but they and did a, a good job. And a decent cast, too. Decent and a, cast. And a decent cast. And they did a good job. But, they, you know, what's the difference? The difference here is I think it just doesn't come from a place of um, genuine appreciation or love. Like, it's not. There's no he, heart. It's not fun to watch a movie about somebody just shitting on a community for no reason. <laughs> and it's like, like half of the jokes are, this guy sounds kind of gay. Like, I wrote in my notes, oh boy, he's got a lisp. Yeah. Uh, and then the, <laughs> well, the, o- yeah. the other half is, he used to be fat. Like, that's... Oh yeah, that is, came out of nowhere. Which is just fucking, like, old Monica Geller-ass uh, jokes. Like... It, it, it just, I'm just, I'm stunned. It's, the rest of the podcast is just going to be us being silent. Yeah. Because, well, well, because what? What are we doing? Well, let's do the fun part first. Let's, let's okay. talk about, let's talk about SNL in 1995. Okay. Well, <laughs> I covered, I covered this season, which was season 20 in the It's Pat episode. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, home runs we, left and right. Home runs left and right. You know, we had two great movies back to back, but, um, you know, just to refresh our memories, this was the lowest rated season of the show ever. And Lauren was quoted as saying that he, this was the closest he had ever gotten to being fired and for mm-hmm. the show to, you know, get taken into new hands. And this is the year that NBC got heavily involved with the cast. So all around, not great. But I wanted to focus a little bit on the former current events re-mental health around this time okay. instead. Um, because I thought it was important because the way that it's approached in the movie is mocking and awful. And I, I don't think that that's fair. So uh, I just wanted to give a little history of just the idea of self-help, which is like a very large industry now, but started very small in 1935 with Alcoholics Anonymous Mm -hmm. and has since uh, sprouted many different other forms of support groups that, you know, use that 12-step program, the sponsorship idea, all of that good stuff. And they get more and more specific and more and more groups popped up from the 30s all the way to the 1970s and the government was actually called out by a lot of these support groups and saying like yo like we have to pay for this ourselves we have dues Mm -hmm. uh we have you know we keep the building like the building's lights on so that we can have these meetings we would love it if you could get involved and the government was like you know what an american thing is to be self-sufficient and so the support groups just kind of had to do 
what they've been doing since the beginning because the government wouldn't like give them any help. <laughs> and is that a surprise? No. 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 Not at all. But uh, by to the early 2000s, over 25 million people had attended over 400 different types of self-help groups. And that, you know, I have to mention that, you know, therapy, certified counselors, all of mm -hmm. these things, very expensive and often not covered by insurance. So, yes. you know, people are paying for these support groups out of pocket um, so that, you know, they're, I don't know what it's called. It's not, it's not, I was going to say tithing, but that's from the Mormon church. Uh, but it's like, it's like uh, dues. They're, they're yeah, paying dues. Yeah, it's like dues. dues. Yeah. yeah, it's like they take donations at these yeah. meetings and, you know, they have to pay. It's like, here, here it is. It's like when you go to a Wednesday night, 11 o'clock uh, indie improv show at a black box <laughs> theater and there's like a case of Keystone Light. But you yeah. expect it, if you drink the Keystone, obviously that's, they won't have that in AA meetings. No, but, but, but you're expected to like throw a dollar in the box. Totally, totally. You know, at the end of the night, there usually isn't, but <laughs> it's fine. But it's just very interesting that, like, th this whole idea is based on self-help. So I looked a little bit into the self-help industry in general since then, and it has boomed to become a billion-dollar industry. Mm -hmm. And there are, of course, like, charlatans who are, you know, exploiting people who are seeking help, who can't afford actual mental health uh, resources, and... I won't go on about that for like an hour because I could, but there is an argument from people who are not, uh, maybe who do have problems and don't want to like face them or who just don't believe that these problems exist because they're in denial, et cetera, that like self-help doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the idea of somebody taking their recovery into their own hands is something that like people don't believe in. However, there are so many support groups that like would say otherwise and people have bettered their lives through that. So mm -hmm. it, I think it's an individual thing. Everybody gets to decide how they want to deal with it. But to have a movie come out around <laughs> this time in the 1990s when there it was like the internet was new yeah. And a lot of people were discovering these kinds of support groups. So to see something like this, it is not helpful to the cause. It's insane. Utterly <laughs> insane. And yeah, and, and like, I, I, I'm not an expert on, like, 12-step programs or, or anything like that. But one thing I do know is that uh, this uh, did not help anyone. Like <laughs> it's really sad it, you know just to look back on the types of support groups that exist like right now there's a new one for people who are addicted to technology and sure. it's like brand yeah. new but the, all of their meetings are taking place on zoom because of covid so ah, like that doesn't help that's a you catch know, 22 right and so and but you know there is an overeaters anonymous there's you know all kind video game people who are addicted yeah, yeah. to video games porn gambling all that stuff and so like would isn't this a great community to be a part of where you can talk about your problems in a safe space and then al franken's like nope i'm gonna put on a wig and pretend to be gay <laughs> al, al franken again with his fancy ivy league educated mind like harvard <laughs> lampoon guy like i've i've sharp i've honed my craft <laughs> for decades and now, hello, this is Stuart Smalley, and uh, <laughs> it's time for Daily Affirmations. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Oh my god! And that's it! That's it! There's nothing built on top of that! That's it! 
No, it's really, really upsetting. It's really, it's upsetting for a lot of reasons. Obviously, the character itself, wow. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> but number, but holy number shit, two, dude. but number two is like, um, I, I didn't know what this movie was about. And I didn't watch a trailer because I didn't want to. I was like, I'm going in this cold. Cold, yeah. Just absolutely freezing. And I did, I laughed because I'm like, oh, cool. This is going to be about like those kinds of people who are hypocritical, blah, 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 blah. It did not go that way either. And it's not that. (laughs) Let's get into it. I I doubt that there's anything that we need to go into like huge detail on. No, we can feel like we can hit this pretty fast. Like how we hit It's Pat, where we're like, and then something else Some some other shit happens. Uh, (laughs) But like most, so there are two tropes here um, that are common to most SNL movies, which is, uh, one is there's a ton of narration uh, from yes. the main character, and it's in the pr- in the form of a journal. Yes, which is very self helpy. Yes, and then the other is we see basically the sketch at the beginning of the movie. We see we see an episode of Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley. Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't have much more to say there. I, it just kind of sucks. Um, but but he <laughs> he gets. Um, he is basically, he has just been informed right before the show shoots that he's getting bumped to a, a graveyard time slot, basically. Yeah, right. Um, so we get to see him, like, try to contain his uh, rage while hosting this Daily Affirmation show. And on paper, I guess I understand that that is supposed to be funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> But right, but not. all he's doing is fat shaming his producer. Yes, I mean that's the it's like uh, it's so fucking weird. It's so weird because it's it's one thing if it was like okay, cool, like I'm gonna go into a rage. It's gonna be really funny mm-hmm. where you know I like throw something or I don't know. I, I can't think of because I'm not a I don't want to write this kind of thing. But he <laughs> instead went to I'm gonna fat shame her. I'm gonna basically make fun of her for being a lesbian and having a bad haircut and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) what? I'm just imagining like getting a friend to watch this movie, which I guess is what I did, but like, yeah, you did. (laughs) Getting another, an additional friend to watch this movie and like sitting them down and then being like, Hey, before I press play, I just want to make sure you have this for reference. And it's a little like, business card and on it just says gay equals bad fat (laughs) equals bad it's really um maddening it's maddening because nothing is funny for like ever yeah so it, it, it basically he storms off set and uh he's lost his show after complaining about the time change uh, so he meets with his AA sponsor, who's uh, Laura San Giacomo, who everybody knows as, oh, yeah, who's that? And then someone else says, she was in Just Shoot Me. And then you go, oh, yeah, um, that's what everybody <laughs> knows her from. And so. <laughs> right. Uh, so. Isn't she a pretty woman? Or is that someone she, else? Oh, she might be. You might be right. I think you're right. I think she is a pretty yeah. woman. But yeah, um, yeah. She, she's his sponsor. Right. And so. Uh, he's, you know, talking to her. He's like, you know, I could, uh, kill myself because I think suicide jokes always land really well. Um, she was, she was Kit in Pretty Woman. You're right. Um, and he's working as a waiter, which I guess is in addition to the TV show. Does he not make money from the TV show? It's not very It's public access. I don't know. 
But the joke is, is that they pull away and that he is, like, he's at lunch. It's like, uh, sir, we're still waiting for our order. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's funny. (laughs) Where's the comedy? Al Franken, where's the comedy? This feels like an improv scene that I would do in (laughs) class. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm just having, like, a conversation, and then someone does a walk-on, and is like, uh, Tony, remember how you're a waiter? And then we have to, like, do five more minutes of that, and then Joe Wangard's like, thanks, Tony, that was terrible. <laughs> I loved him. He was such an intimidating teacher. Yeah, he the is, one- yeah. <laughs> It's just so good. I, that's different from the scenes that I would do, which is somebody would like we were we'd be doing a scene and someone would insult uh, legally blonde, and then I'd go into like a long tangent. Do you understand? Why, <laughs> why it's the best movie ever? And then the note is you didn't have to talk about legally blonde for that long. Yeah, it feels like and we got I, a lot of legally blonde in that scene, Nadia. I was like, yes, I did. I did have to. I had to defend it. Uh, yeah, so this is kind of like the Coneheads episode where we're going on many tangents. Because it's funnier than the movie. It's funnier than the movie. So so he tries to go back to his producer, um, and he he goes back to her, and, he, and, and it's him using 12-step language. But the joke, he, he, so the, the turn of phrase he uses is, I'm making an amends, right. which is not what you actually say. You say, step nine is making amends. And, right. uh... But it's funny that he says it wrong, I guess. So <laughs> his producer laughs in his face. It turns out all the viewers hate his show. Um, there's a line here, uh, which is also not funny. Uh, a Holocaust survivor in Skokie actually prefers our skinhead hour to your show. Um, Skokie being a Chicago suburb with a large Jewish uh, community. Uh, and Thank so, you. Wow. I learned so much from this podcast. And so... Uh, I don't know why the public access uh, station had to put the skinhead hour on, but they did, and uh, it was getting... (laughs) I didn't even think about that, Tony. (laughs) It was getting better ratings than Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley, and then there's a build-up, and you think Stuart's going to call her a bitch, and instead he says the word weenie. I just sit in silence on my couch. (laughs) Yeah, they really did a nice long laugh line pause. And I was like, why? They're like, we gotta wait for things in the movie theater to die down before we change scenes. We don't want people to miss anything in the next fucking scene. Oh my god. Well, I mean, let's continue on because his life doesn't get any better. (laughs) No. So he goes home. He eats a bunch of Fig Newtons. His various sponsors from his various support groups meet to intervene with him i guess that's another funny thing is he has multiple sponsors because he's in all this support group all these support groups right uh-huh. <sighs> so <laughs> yeah he's got um an overeaters anonymous support group alcoholics anonymous Al-Anon, which is um usually uh, loved ones of alcoholics yes yes and I forgot what the other one was. Uh, maybe Narcotics. Narcotics Anonymous. Maybe. Um, but Which, you know, it, it, it doesn't sense, matter. It doesn't it, matter. It doesn't matter. So he's having like a nervous breakdown and they're trying to get him to not be depressed. Which I guess depression is funny. It's hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he finds out that his Aunt Paula dies because his hysterical sister calls and leaves a message. And uh, has to 
go to Minnesota and this is where the narration begins in the form of journaling. And like most people, when I journal, I also narrate my life and, you know, like fill in tiny details as mm-hmm. if I was telling it to a stranger, which is what, <laughs> what he was doing. Um, we find out that uh, family members die from falling off of roofs. So, yeah. So... He's going back to Minnesota. Every member of his family is an alcoholic. And the line here is, there's lots of ways to die from alcoholism, but smally men fall off the roof. So we get a montage of dudes falling off of roofs and dying. It's not even, like, in a funny way. No. No, It's not like a coffin flop. It's not like a coffin (laughs) flop, which is genius. (laughs) It's absolutely (laughs) genius. They're just filming. (laughs) (laughs) What, you think we rigged it? I didn't rig shit. I didn't do shit. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so it's, we see, like, a tiny montage of that, um, and then that's it. That's it. So that's, like, a joke as we see, like, it's, like, two minutes of falls, and then there's one that's just a massive, like, he touches a power line, and there's just a massive, and I would say somewhat graphic electrocution. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess it's supposed to be, like, Chekhov's fall, possibly. Is it? Is it? Because I stopped paying attention towards the end of the movie, so I kind of yeah. don't know what happened. Yeah. Anyway, so he, get, he gets back to Minnesota and gets picked up by Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, who is his uh, slacker brother who smokes a lot of pot. And I, Vincent D'Onofrio is a good actor. Great actor. He really could have And they, they gave him given more. nothing. Yeah. But he was playing it like a drama. Yes. Which which fit with how the tone of the movie was made. Everyone was playing it like a drama except for Al Franken. I guess it's like, this feels like Al Franken was making a movie, but the intended audience was Stuart Smalley. Like, he's like, what's a movie <laughs> Stuart Smalley would think is fine? And that's one degree of remove more than you should have for a comedy yeah i mean if anything it should be let's make a comedy for everyone that that a normal fucking person in a movie theater yeah i mean like um like like the lonely island for example like hot rod is a great example because we'll talk about pop star later but hot rod is a great example because i don't know if this movie is for everyone but it is for a specific type of weirdo that would think that this stuff is funny yeah but like al franken probably had the right the like same idea of like this is just for certain weirdos but but this is for nobody i can't (laughs) yeah i can't pin down what the sense of humor is here no like it's it's dark. It's very dark because it's all jokes about alcoholism and suicide. And I'm gonna p- put like a fucking content warning on this episode. But like, yeah. it's just, but it's just putting that in front of you and then being like, that's funny, right? Guy falling off a roof and dying. Yeah, and there are lines where I feel like he's trying to be like Instagram deep, where he says something like, uh, "Death is something that we deal with, but it's life that is the problem." Right. Kind, like that kind of stuff. And right. I'm like, okay, what are you trying to say? Because it, it's impossible to take it seriously when he's like wearing a pink sweater vest and yeah. doing an affectation. Yeah. That is borderline offensive. Extreme, I know extremely no, offensive. Extremely offensive. So, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the movie continues and it doesn't go anywhere you're expecting it to go. <laughs> so it's like, so 
he meets it comes home meets his family his dad calls him a waste of space that's like a common thing um they go to paula's funeral and they're upset because cousin ray is there and the narration is dad hated cousin ray ever since ray had successfully poisoned our dog um i do think the addition of the word successfully uh could <laughs> could be funny in the right hands yeah <laughs> um, it was weird so but then there, there was a, a a fight at the funeral. There's a fight at the funeral because Cousin Ray gets a court order that bars them from burying Aunt Paula in the family plot. There's two plots left, except there appears to be actually one because Cousin Ray snuck someone into the grave plot years earlier when nobody was looking. And this is never touched again. And it's <laughs> a 15-minute storyline. Yeah. In this movie. And uh, as they try to bring Aunt Paula's coffin out so they can bury it, they drop it on the ground. And, uh, folks, you can catch more on the Corncob <laughs> TV's hit show, Coffin Flop. <laughs> in case anyone hasn't doesn't know this reference, it's from I Think You Should Leave Season 2, and you should definitely watch it. Season 2, Episode 1, it's the second sketch, and it will change your life. Yeah, and then it continues on later <laughs> in the season. It's great. Um, it's funny. It's so much funnier than this movie. movie. And you're going to think, you're going to think, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night after you see it. And you're going to be like, wait, how did they shoot Coffin Flop? (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Well, let's get back to this so we can get this over with. Okay. Um, So after this, uh, you know, he has to stay and uh, deal with his family. Yeah. Because the movie is about him saving his family. So, like, there's a will, <laughs> there's Paula's will, um, and then uh, there's one point where Stuart gets his actual fan mail from the studio, because there are some people who like him, so that mm-hmm. encourages him to, like, get back on his feet. There is one line I laughed at here, which is he gets back into a new routine, he's like, every morning I do a one-mile walk slash jog, because, you know, you don't want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That one made me laugh. That one was pretty good. Um, but yeah, he basically wants to get his show back. Right. I guess is the is his like Disney Princess want song at this point. Yeah. But we're we're like forty five minutes in at this point. We're, yeah. He wants his show back. He he's in debt. Uh and he uh and his share of uh, the will from Aunt Paula is going to be twelve thousand dollars. Um but Jody is his sister his sister Jody is executor of the will she doesn't want to sell the house so Donnie the Vincent D'Onofrio character is suing her to force that this is where I wrote in my notes I don't know what the fuck is happening or why I should give a shit yeah um and he uh like what eventually happens is Stuart becomes executor for the will and if he sells the house everybody gets their money they can't sell the house because Aunt Paula fucking built something on the neighbor's lot by mistake. So they need right. an easement from the neighbor. What is, pay. like, who decides that this is a good idea for a movie? Like, a movie You know what people like... love in movies is zoning. <laughs> I love a zoning law. I, I want to see action. I want to see a relationship. Yeah. I want to see uh, somebody trying something they've never tried before. Somebody being brave, you know, all of this stuff. And this is just, like, I don't know if this is supposed to be slice of life in the way that, like, Garden State is slice of life or whatever. 
feels but, like it feels like fucking Garden State. Only Garden State, at least I fucking had like uh, there were like two the, good songs on that soundtrack. I was gonna say they have the shins, <laughs> but this doesn't have it. It's it's um it, it I could you can you could, you could argue that the HBO show White Lotus was like a slice of life the first okay. like five episodes. But I haven't I haven't good. I haven't seen I haven't seen it yet. So I want to really I want to see it so bad because I like Mike White. But... Oh my god, they but they take their time nice. to set things up, and you're like, I wonder what's going to happen. But it's actually interesting. This is the same thing where you think that they're going to set things up, and they don't. I'm just, like, amazed that this got made. There were millions of dollars that were put into this. Well, let's say thousands. Thousands uh. of dollars. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, the 90s. Thousands of dollars. And that it was, like, publicized and They made posters it. for it. Like... This is a real movie. And uh, there's a line around this point in the movie uh, where... Uh, there's a line of narration where Al Franken says, My father grew up in the Great Depression his mother's and it's like watching um you've seen wet hot american summer right yeah it's like yeah. watching the michael showalter as the catskills comedian character <laughs> that's so perfect that's perfect but not funny no <laughs> no there's, i mean yeah i there's you know the there's the easement story there is um a scene where he and his brother go to a bar and he gets like bullied into drinking but he doesn't want to and then his brother beats them up because he has his back which is like kind of nice this is the only good choice they make is they have his pothead brother be nice to him yeah exactly but then we get to something that's really fucked up you're talking about you talking about laura's story yeah (laughs) i'm gonna skip ahead because who fucking cares who gives a shit yeah so she tells a story about Oh, prepare yourself. She uh, never met her father mm-hmm. and wants to meet him as an adult. And so she fi- she tracks him down. She writes him a letter. And, and the he- reason she never met her father is because she, she was conceived in a drunken hookup. Right. And her father was also an alcoholic, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, very important that we include that. Yes. And so uh, he asks her for her picture and she sends it. And then he, she doesn't hear from him for a while. And then he's in town all of a sudden and wants to hang out with her and get dinner with her. And she does. And then he comes on to her. Yeah, he makes a pass at her. Uh, so, you know. Is that supposed to be funny? <laughs> I love how. I, I genuinely don't know. I don't, I don't think it is. I think this is supposed to be a dramatic moment. But okay. you know how much I love movies where two-thirds in, you just swerve into an incest <laughs> reference. <laughs> it's horrifying. And, you know, Stuart is obviously horrified. Yeah. And, and but... she's te- she's telling her story to Stuart to comfort him to say, like, look, families are fucked up and you shouldn't feel bad if you can't help your family. Right. And I was... <laughs> I was just gobsmacked. At this point, you know, I was like cleaning my kitchen and listening. And then when it happened, I like turned back around to my laptop and I was like, wait a minute. And I had to rewind for a minute to make sure I heard it right. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. I also, I briefly want to touch on the Sir Clean a Lot uh, flashback um, because uh, it takes forever. (laughs) Um, It's the, what brand was it? It was like Borax or something. It's a flashback. Mm -hmm. Stuart's a child. 
uh, Borax is having a, a contest, a mailing contest. What should we name the the knight that's our mascot? And Stuart comes up with Sir Clean a lot. Um, and he mails that in, and it's just ten minutes of him bragging to his dad about how excited he is to have submitted Sir Clean a lot, and then he doesn't win, and then that's it. It's time. It's <laughs> time and for the next thing. There's another flashback where the youngest daughter wants to take a picture of the Hollywood sign. Yes. When they're in L.A. And so the dad makes them stand in the middle of the road while there are cars speeding down a hill and they have to run away and then they keep running back so he can take the picture. But then the cars come and they run away. This repeats itself. Forever. For a a long time. Forever. And then Stuart gets run over by a car. Okay, there's a third flashback uh, <laughs> earlier in the film where Mr. Dimmitt, the neighbor, steals their football when they're children. And the dad, Stuart's dad, comes to get the football back and says the truly unbelievable line uh, to the neighbor. You know, he's oh, threatening God. this neighbor who won't give the football back. He's like, maybe you'd like to pick on someone with pubic hair. LOL. What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> Just, I can't, I can't fucking believe this. I feel this. like, uh, I, f- I get, I get a lot of why they would include the flashbacks because a part of the recovery groups include like going yeah, through, going trauma. through your stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of it is, you know, rooted in childhood trauma and all that stuff. And then you like get support and all that stuff. Great. But like, why? <sighs> What is it like? What does how does this serve the story, which is him saving his family? I, I don't know. Because it's the title of the movie. I'm I'm very <laughs> upset now. <laughs> Just, this is I, the, we haven't had a movie like this in a really long time. Yeah. So it's great in a lot of ways because it gives us something to work with, but it's terrible. I feel like I feel like it's Pat. I really like understood where everything was going yeah yeah no you're right this is worse than it's pat i didn't i didn't love where it was going but i understood it uh (laughs) and we got to see the band ween Ween. yeah yeah Yeah. uh you know ween our favorite band from 1994 um like what's it called (laughs) uh okay so stewart gets his show back because he steals his tape from his old public access network gives it to a new access network um feels like too long of a scene to get the tape back he does call his boss a vagina out of rage, uh, mm-hmm. and they put the reverb on that. Um, <laughs> and and he needs to tape all twenty shows for the season in one afternoon four hour session. Right. So now we have a new plot. Yeah. So we get a little montage of that. I guess it's just it's another sketch basically, and it's very long. It's very long. And then we get another hysterical phone call from his sister that his dad shot his brother while they were hunting. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, they go to court at some point, too, and Stewart's job is to commit perjury because he lied about, like, a different thing with the easement. None of it matters. His dad shoots Vincent (laughs) D'Onofrio. Uh uh, and uh, he visits Donnie in the hospital. Donnie swears off drinking and drugs. There's 22 minutes left in this fucking thing. 
I know. Uh, By so, that time, I was like, what could possibly I'm, I'm like, happen? we got to be near the end, right? And we weren't. We weren't. We weren't. So there is a an intervention scene where, well, first it's a preparing for the intervention scene, which God we got to get, show don't tell. Like, come on. <laughs> we want to see the intervention scene. So it's them preparing for it for 10 minutes, and then the dad comes in. This is where Joe Wenger would be like, guys, you've been talking about an intervention. You've been talking about your dad coming in. Your dad needs to come in the scene now exactly. <laughs> 10 minutes later he finally comes in and they're they basically are like you need to stop drinking you're causing a lot of pain and suffering to all of us and he's like fuck you guys and then they bring in if you do not go to a recovery program or to like rehab we will i forgot what the actual like consequence oh he'll go to jail <laughs> because because he shot his son yeah, right, yes. Obviously, the stake, like, this is one of those movies where the stakes are a little too high. Yeah, and so... The SNL movies only work when the stakes are low. And not only, not only are the stakes too high, it doesn't fucking work. Like, <laughs> the dad doesn't uh, go into recovery. He just says, uh, you drink too if you had Liberace for a son. So one more... One more gay mm. joke there. hey Uh So the intervention fails. Stuart heads home. He does an emotional last show. He signs off on the show. He hugs his friend, Laura San Giacomo. Vincent D'Onofrio shows up. So the Italians are all in the same shot, uh, which is nice, <laughs> I guess. You know, they love being together. Uh, and and then that's it. It just ends. It just ends. It's, we tried to have an intervention that's for my end. dad. It didn't work. My brother came to visit me. Credits. What a dumb Fucking dumb waste fuck-ass movie is what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> fuck-ass. It is so bad. This is this is the, I legitimately thought we were not going to get worse than It's Pat, but I think we have landed on this movie being worse than It's Pat. It's worse than Bringing Down the House. Okay, I don't know if I'd go that far because Bringing, no, I... Bringing Down the House has a longer runtime. <laughs> That's true, but it does have Eugene Levy. Oh, but Eugene Levy is being, he's a prisoner there. Okay, that's true so, too. Someone has his daughter in a cage when they're filming that movie, and he's just like, <laughs> he's just like, fine, I'll say you got me straight tripping, boo. If you just no, you know what it is? It's like Dan was being held for ransom. <laughs> you know, I do really think that this one is worse because at least bringing down the house, I could hate watch it, and that in itself was an entertainment. That's true. You could follow it. You could absolutely you could follow, follow it. it. It had a story. It had an act structure. You knew that towards the end, something was going to happen where yeah. Steve Martin leave. is in it. Like <laughs> Steve Martin's in it. Queen Latifah's in it. She's a queen. Yes. Literally. Literally. So, so I think it's worse. I think this is the worst movie we've ever watched on the pod. You know, I don't know if I'm ready to make that declaration yet, but I will say it is possible. <laughs> it is very possible. I um, was like, you know when women, when they're in labor and they get, like, turned to their husband and, like, you, you did You did this to me, daddy, yeah. They're like, you did this to me. Like, I was sitting here watching this movie and being like, Tony did this to me. <laughs> I, I'm so mad. Uh, but the other thing about uh, labor and delivery, of course, is after it's done, your body releases hormones uh, to help you forget how bad it was <laughs> so, to, to, so that you can, you know, continue to, to uh, procreate. Um, and maybe that'll happen here. I don't know. I doubt it. Uh, I know next week we're watching a much better movie than this one. Uh, yeah, we are. So, uh, you know, that's probably what that's going to be. Um, 
Nadia, I'd like to move to the next segment of the podcast. <laughs> yes, my favorite. Uh, so it's time for a favorite segment of the podcast. Every SNL film is meant to catapult a cast member of Saturday Night Live into um, a mainstream film career, and we look at whether or not it was successful in our segment. Good for them. Yay, my favorite. I'm excited to give you the greatest installment yet (laughs) of Good For Them. Uh, Al Franken did uh, sink into a deep depression (laughs) after the commercial and critical failure of this film, although for some reason Siskel and Ebert really fucking loved it. What? Uh, Yeah. Probably because probably because it was set in Chicago. That's probably what yeah, it was. They're yeah, like greatest yeah. city in the world. Gene Siskel's like greatest city in the world, right, Roger? And Roger Ebert's like eating a hamburger, and he looks up. He's like, "What?" Um, <laughs> so, uh, so he's heading into a deep depression. He also left Saturday Night Live right around this time, and uh, reportedly the reason he left Saturday Night Live was because he was upset that Norm Macdonald got chosen as the host of Weekend Update over him. And look. <laughs> having seen this movie, like, I'm sure Al Franken works very hard, but <laughs> Norm Macdonald might be the best Weekend Update host of all time. <laughs> oh, he was the best! Macdonald, <laughs> um, of course, would eventually be fired from SNL for making too many jokes about O.J. Simpson. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, Al Franken is the author of four national best-selling books, mostly of nonfiction political comedy. Uh, he also hosted a radio show from 2004 through 2007 on Air America. Hey, remember Air America? You oh probably don't. This is <laughs> it, giving me anxiety. It was a short-lived attempt to uh, make a liberal democratic answer to right-wing talk radio. It didn't work because right-wing radio uh, just has guys spouting off insane fascist shit all the time. And Mm -hmm. Air America was like, what if we put a bunch of people on the radio to say John Kerry is a decent man and should be president? Uh, Three of the biggest names uh, that were anchoring shows on Air America were Franken, Janine Garofalo, and Mark Maron. Uh, so, uh, it's funny because those three people are all not on SNL (laughs) because, uh, at various points in their career, they decided SNL was not right for them. For Mark Maron, it was midway through his audition. Uh, and so, uh, but we all know, uh, where this is going. Um, Al Franken signed off permanently on Air America in 2007, and in his final show, he announced that he was going to run for United States Senate, representing Minnesota. Uh, In 2008, after an extremely drawn-out election that went up to the state Supreme Court, he defeated the Republican incumbent Norm Coleman by 312 votes. Uh, Extremely tight election. Um, Despite being (laughs) a TV and radio funny man, right, Um, he actually spent his first Senate term... Uh, pretty low profile. He didn't do a ton of press. Um, didn't wasn't on camera a lot. Um, there he did preside over the confirmation hearings for um, Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan. Um, notably, when Mitch McConnell was speaking out uh, against confirming Kagan to the court, uh, Al Franken was rolling his eyes 
uh, on the floor, and Mitch McConnell turned to him and said, Al, this isn't Saturday Night Live, and Al Franken later wrote a letter of apology to McConnell, and he should have, because rolling his eyes is certainly worse than anything Mitch McConnell has ever done. Right. Uh, (laughs) uh, He was elected very easily to a second term, uh, which began in 2015, and obviously that overlapped with the beginning of the Trump presidency. And Mm -hmm. during the cabinet confirmation hearings, notably of Betsy DeVos, Franken established himself as like, oh, this is a really sharp, really quick, really capable, and and pretty funny guy who could actually highlight the absurdity of everything that was going on in the Trump administration. And newspaper writers and cable news pundits all started to think, like, is Al Franken like the new resistance hero in a world that is going insane (laughs) is the right guy for the job a comedian? Is this the man who's going to lead us forward? And then the funniest thing happened. (laughs) Funny in the sense of Stuart saves his family? Exactly. (laughs) In 2017, Al Franken was accused by eight separate women of sexual misconduct. (laughs) The most famous one being a fellow performer on a USO tour where Franken uh, mimed groping her breasts uh, in a photograph where she was asleep. Now, people say Al Franken got railroaded because all he was doing was taking a really stupid photo in bad taste. And I will remind you, that is one of only eight accusations of sexual misconduct that came out at the time. Uh, I love that people are like, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Franken, uh, eventually it would uh, come out to 10 separate accusations. Franken uh, would resign uh, his seat in the Senate, which was the right thing to do morally. It was also the right thing to do politically, because quite frankly, it was real easy to find another Democrat in Minnesota to put in that seat. It's not like we fucking lost anything. Quite Al, frankly. Yes. Um, (laughs) In 2019... Uh, the New Yorker uh, did some digging, and they found inconsistencies in the story from one of Al Franken's accusers. And mm. several senators uh, said they regretted calling for Franken's resignation in 2017. In fact, Kristen Gillibrand uh, of New York was one of the senators that was most vocal in saying Franken should step down, and people believe it hurt her in her presidential primary campaign in 2020. So you have all these guys saying like, wow, maybe there were holes in these in this story. Were we mistaken? Has hashtag me too gone hashtag too far? Uh, <laughs> and then the funniest thing happened. Because uh, after that story came out, more women came forward. Because that's yeah. the funniest thing about stories like this is there's never just one. God, just horrifying. Anyways. I like, I like how they're like, there's inconsistencies in one story. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like there's like there's, like 10 there's plus. nine others, <laughs> <laughs> ten plus other women. Yeah. Um, anyhow, uh, Al Franken uh, is scheduled to begin his first stand-up tour in decades in September. So, Al Franken, for getting back out there in the world of comedy, good for you. But for everything else, <laughs> um, for everything else. Bad for fuck, you. Fuck off. Um, so, uh, he made a shitty movie. Is he a shitty human being? Turns out also yes. Oh, um, it's so and so, so sad. Uh, so it is, uh, truly an American tragedy. Uh, and, uh, I'm sorry that we had to watch this movie. Nadia, do our friends at commonsensemedia.org have anything to say? Well, I gotta tell you, I was reading some <laughs> reviews, but I didn't realize that I was accidentally reading Stuart Little reviews. <laughs> 
because Stuart says his family doesn't have a page, but when you type in Stuart, it goes straight to Stuart Little. So, um, okay, so what did they have to say about Stuart Little? <laughs> that I really liked. And it was from a... Um, <laughs> it was from the kids' reviews. It says... One star because there are too many cats that got hurt. One was carried away by a dog. One was chucked out a window and a bunch fell into the water. Could be upsetting for a cat lover. This review is by a seven-year-old boy. (laughs) Okay, do you have any reviews by anyone who has Lou Gehrig's disease? (laughs) (laughs) I love that this review was funnier than... 80, Any, anything what, it, i laughed at one thing in the movie and it was like a half-hearted laugh yeah, anyway, yeah. this is the greatest review <laughs> i accidentally ended up on Stuart little but um yeah that was it that's all i could find it's it's the worst the worst it's a movie that people watched. don't even know exist right because yeah. we we've all like fucking so many people i mean not so many people went to see this nobody went to see this and right. it's like <laughs> we we said about it's Pat and Coneheads and uh, and a few other selections like this movie was always on it was always on cable it was always on Comedy Central this movie was fucking not ever no. on anywhere. <laughs> it really was Everybody not. society did the fucking Men in Black neuralizer to us <laughs> to get rid of this movie. It's like the Berenstein Bears phenomenon. Yeah 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 the um yeah the the uh, Mandela effect where yeah, like yeah. the the Shazam Kazam dynamic. <laughs> Exactly, but it's just whether or not this movie exists. Yeah, this this was um really horrible in a lot of ways, just story wise. But the characterization was really shitty. You know, great actors were given so little. There was I I don't understand about the falling off of the roof. Did his dad fall off the roof, or did he imagine fa- him falling off the roof? There's a, an incest B plot for no reason. <laughs> And then it's thrown away. And that's it's, thrown away. So much of this is thrown away. Yeah. I don't think that, you know, when movies are bad, we generally go into a tangent of this is where it could have gone so I that we could fix it. But we can't do we that. We can't here. fix this one. This is beyond <laughs> saving. What was Harold Ramis doing? What was Harold Ramis doing? He made Groundhog Day before yeah. this. Yeah. I, maybe they wanted to do something new. Maybe they wanted to start a new genre, a slice of life. I don't know. But it was bad, and I would never, ever watch it again. I would never tell anyone to watch it. Um, That's it. Okay. <laughs> this is Lauren's fault. <laughs> like, how... How is this comedy? Uh, <laughs> I'm shook. So... Everything that I've been working towards in my life (laughs) and like the good shit that I'm doing with you and just like on my own and these people are the people who are on TV and fucking writing books and shit. I'm just, I'm fucking livid. (laughs) So I was thinking, (laughs) I wanted to save this for maybe our last episode, but I think I'm going to say it now. I was thinking about like, how do we fix SNL? Right. Well, no, no one's gonna listen to this episode because nobody, <laughs> because knows nobody who saw this movie. movie. Is. We okay. can't talk about this now. Okay, so we'll save it for later. Um, <laughs> but people uh, are gonna be like, Stuart saves his family. I don't know what that is. Let me skip it. Yeah, I do have a proposal for how to fix SNL, so maybe we'll save that for a future episode. I'm very excited. Uh, okay, so with that, folks, thank if you've listened all the way to the end, folks. 
Wow. Thank you for You're enduring this episode. You're a true giant fan. If, it, you, if you've made it through, uh, tweet us or yeah. shoot us an Instagram with the hashtag Stuart. What, think of a good one. Stuart, <laughs> Stuart killed my dad. Stuart killed my dad. Hashtag Stuart killed my dad if you made it all the way through. We'll, yeah. we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, so in the meantime, <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I just... <laughs> Oh, I'm God. sorry. Next week, next week's gonna be better. Next week's gonna be better. Uh, in the meantime, uh, probably should on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll see you next week. Bye. Oh boy. <laughs> Called you on the phone today just to ask you how you were. All I did was speak normally. Somehow I still struck a nerve You got me fucked up in the head, boy Never doubted myself so much Like, am I pretty? Am I fun, boy? Hate that I give you power over that kind of stuff Cause it's always one step forward and three steps back I'm the love of your life until I make you mad It's always one step forward and three steps back Do you love me, want me, hate me? Boy, I don't understand No, I don't understand Maybe in some masochistic way I kinda find it all exciting Like which lover will I get today?